0: Hello, listeners. This is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and this is our year-end holiday spectacular episode of the nineteen seventy show. Joining me, as always, is our fearless editor, Ed. Today, we will talk about a bunch of different PSG topics, including the just-finished Coupe de France round of 64 tie between a team that I cannot pronounce. I'll let Ed do the pronunciations whenever we have to talk about the team that we've just played. We'll also touch on the Champions League draw that occurred on Monday. It seems like a long time ago. Um, PSG first drew Man United, and we had a bunch of talking points for that. Then about an hour later, they no longer drew Man United. Instead, drew Real Madrid, which created a whole bunch of different talking points and we'll also sort of you know do our state of the club as december uh comes to an end so with that long preamble ed how are you doing this holiday season
1: doing well doing well we um finally got a lot of snow here out in utah we got about a foot of snow uh, earlier this week so we're still digging out from that i watched psg against fenigy al noir maybe did i get close I'm sure listeners will let me know. But anyway, I was able to watch the game, impressed with some of what I saw. Um, I definitely want to get into that Champions League draw. There was another uh, comment that came through, and and people want to know what you thought about the Real Madrid draw. So definitely want to get your thoughts on that. Um, And we've got a couple questions that came in from listeners on Twitter, so excited about talking about that.
0: All right, so yeah, I think we should start with uh, the PSG's intro into the Coupe de France. Um, Usually the first round PSG are involved in starts – usually first second week of January this year it is before the holiday break which is a little odd but none the matter PSG seemed well prepared um storylines coming out of this game Javi Simmons obviously getting I believe his first PSG start in a game mm-hmm. that counts and played the full game and I think looked pretty good um didn't score a goal had sort of a hockey assist on that on that third goal and seemed to be involved in a lot of the good passing that, uh, PSG were able to do. Um, Sergio Ramos didn't get hurt. That's a good, good start there as the, he slowly works his way back and, um, Kylian Mbappe with two more goals to add to his total as he s- continues to be PSG's most consistent clearest offensive attacking weapon. Um, Unless you have anything else that seems more present than that, I don't know. But um, I think we can start with the debut of Javi Simmons. And what your thoughts on that were?
1: Yeah, I thought he did well. I mean, he looked like he belonged out there, which I think is most important being a, a youngster coming in and in, in your first real start you know looking like you belong he looked the part he had a couple of nice touches you mentioned the hockey assist with him and Dagwell linking up and eventually Mbappe scoring thought that was nice um
0: by the, by the way just to, yeah. I, I think that I think that um they should count that stat I, I wouldn't count it like hockey where it's an actual assist but I think they really should keep track of that better and i'm sure some analytics group keeps track of the hockey assist but i'd like to see that stat more present cuz it is really important like that that is that assist that pass before the pass is sometimes more important than the than the actual assist itself so just wanted to throw that
1: in there yeah i'm sure the nerds have something ag or xq or some some stupid a letter a combination whatever so I'm sure they have that I you know I me mean? I don't believe in all that analytics junk and I'm sure the listeners will get on me whatever I just I don't like all that xgs like did you score a goal I don't care how many you were supposed to score how many did you score we'll set that to the side that's beside the point but I thought Xavi did well there was one point in the second half it was laid on I think PSG were already up three now I want to get your thoughts on this Xavi was in the box really nice composure Getting his defender off balance a little bit, and his pass over to Mbappe wasn't as early as maybe Mbappe wanted it, and it wasn't exactly where he wanted. It. And Mbappe's just flopping his hands around, flailing, just yeah. being petulant because he didn't get the ball right where he wanted. 3-0 against some lower tier team in a game yeah. that's already been won. Well, what what is the deal with that? I, I don't know what I don't know if that's exactly what's going on with that. I think
0: I, I think he was in there and was clearly trying to get those young guys uh, into good positions. I don't think he was being petulant about it. I just think he felt like he had a chance to score and that Simmons had a chance to get him the ball. And and maybe this is just old school of me. It probably is. But I kind of like it when, you know, your teammates demand more from you. And, you know, I don't want it to – I want PSG to strive for as perfect – as they can get you can't get to a hundred percent perfect but you should be striving for as close to perfect as you can get and I think when you have high standards I feel like that's something that you shouldn't necessarily poo poo and it's not something you should get on someone like Kylian Mbappe for and I think Xabi Simmons understands that I think he realizes you know why was there's, Mbappe there, even
1: playing to begin with? Why was he even out there to begin with? Well, Why was, was he, he in the game?
0: Out he's out there because obviously he wants to get his goals and he wants to to stat pad a little bit. And Sad. I think, that's so well, sad. But are, are we turning on him already? I, I don't know. If, I mean, he's still got six months left in the in the D. Are we turning on him already?
1: I just think like, that's I, like said. It's like who cares that you scored against this team? Do it at, Do it against Manchester City when we actually needed you to do it. Do it against that team. I I mean, there's a
0: point to that, but I just I I think that putting those youngsters out there without sort of a, 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 it's hard to call. You know, it's it's weird calling a 22 year old a veteran, but
1: Di Maria was on the bench. He could have played. Yeah,
0: but I I don't mind. I I don't look. Would I rather them not play him in that situation? Yeah, because I think. And this might be a, a differentiation between actual French PSG fans who lived in France or live in France and and sort of the international fan base. I think the French fan base cares more about the Coupe de France than let's say we do. And I get that. that's you know, I, I I'm not gonna make a value judgment. I'm just gonna make a judgment of what I value, not necessarily saying that that's right or wrong. I don't really care if PSG go far in the Coupe de France or not, I think they've won the thing enough. So I wouldn't put Mbappe in a situation where he could get hurt in a game like this, but I do understand sort of culturally that in France there is, uh, and I'll say that I've gotten this on Twitter, so I'm not sort of pulling this out of my ass here, Um, you know, that there's a respect for the cup and maybe more so than in other countries where there really isn't that kind of reverence for it. So I get that, but I'm not... I'm not going to rail on Mbappe for for being a perfectionist on a team that really you know, on a team that really needs more perfectionists than they probably have to be honest. But how,
1: how do you think that made Xavi Simons feel when he's out there, finally gets to play, and he makes one little mistake? That doesn't really cost the team, and he looks over and Mbappe's is just like, you know, showing him I up think, a little bit. I, I mean, think, how do you think that makes him feel?
0: Well, uh, you know, uh, as the as uh, as Dwayne the Rock Johnson once said, it doesn't really matter how it makes him feel because you have to, you know, if you're going to be in the show, if you're going to be on the first team, you're going to have to deal with the expectations that come with that. And there, there's a great for, yeah, yeah. Go
1: ahead. Sorry. I think
0: I think for the I think that's you see that a lot. I think you you see that with you know you see that with LeBron James all the time. He'll show up teammates and you know. Great players show up teammates. Tom Brady used to do it. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time. Um, it's but but not- God
1: forbid! But God forbid anyone gets on Mbappe, you know, because he misses that penalty right in the Euros. And there was a great yeah. clip going around of all of the chances that Neymar set up for Mbappe, and he's just completely missed and just screwed it yeah. up. You know. Tom Brady is pretty perfect when it comes to an athlete. I mean, that many Super Bowls and stuff. So maybe he's like the exception. But everyone makes mistakes. You don't show up a teammate like that, especially yeah. one making a, an early start. I just think that's Bush League and you shouldn't be doing it.
0: Alright, and you know, fair enough. But I just I I, I don't think that's something that Javi Simmons is going to think about at all, to be honest. I think. I think they're happy they got the win. I think they're happy everyone stayed healthy, and they're making something like progress, although, again, it feels somewhat, somewhat like we've been in a hamster wheel the last four months. But, um, look, it, it's good to get a win, especially with this break coming. They need the break. They need, they need the rest. They need to relax and, you know, be with their families. And, and they get one more game on Wednesday against Lorient on the road. So I don't know how much investment you're going to have in that game. So... I'd be very happy if we just didn't play the Lorient game and just saved that for next February or whatever. Do I, they still I mean, have that
1: artificial pitch at Lorient? Do they still have the artificial pitch?
0: Lord, I hope not. That's another That's another one where it's like, I don't think I play Mbappe in that game. I don't think I play Messi. In, I think you just play the under-19s and let everyone go home early. Because why do you need someone tearing their ACL on one of those horrible... You see it in the NFL all the time where guys tear their ACLs on these horrible artificial turfs where the, there's no give and they have to try to plant and cut. No, you know, professional athlete should really have to play on that stuff, but you, that's just my opinion. Um, the yeah, other thing I'd take out of that is I think uh Sergio Ra- I like what Sergio Ramos does for this club tactically. Just I think he's a more aggressive center back in a way that Marquinhos certainly isn't in a way that Thiago Silva definitely was not, in a way that Kimpembe is recklessly, I would say, Kimpembe is recklessly aggressive at times. I think Ramos is perfect for what they need defensively. I think they need somebody who can step up in the press and try to keep the ball circulating. You know, He's great with the ball at his feet. He can basically come into the box when needed and... Marquinhos can do some of that too, but I think the difference is when you have Marquinhos and Ramos on the field together, I think it'll allow Ramos to sort of be the aggressive one and Marquinhos can quarterback from the back, which I think is what they're looking to do. I think that's clearly the ideal situation. But I think Ramos's aggressiveness is going to help. I mm-hmm. think being able to to win balls in that middle of the field when your center back steps up and wins them that's something PSG haven't done a lot in recent years and what happens is you get these teams that play two or three balls win you know win possession win, play two or three balls and then they're you know off to the races and if you can break up that sort of you know if you can break up the their counter with your own sort of you know, counter press, I guess it, it does sort of give PSG the ability to have the ball more. And especially in bigger games where PSG just are not able to get the ball. Like they're going to need somebody like Ramos to win them some balls up top and help them recycle and help them with their press. So that's my long winded way of saying, I think Ramos played well for the time he was in there.
1: Um yeah he had that acrobatic attempt which he yeah. probably would have scored if he just used his head but he went for yeah. the spectacular finish. I,
0: I I mean unless you have anything else I think we're I think <laughs> we've pretty much milked this game. I mean I will say uh Garby had his had his moments. I I'm not yeah. sure he's a I'm not sure he's in the same place Simmons is necessarily where Simmons can contribute to the game in a lot more. I think Simmons can contribute to the game in a lot more uh, varied ways than a Garby can right now I think Garby's more of an up the field can score can link up a little but Simmons just seems to have a more of a complete package to me of you can plug this guy in to a league gun game and he can help your offense move and that's where I think he should be I don't think he should be playing under 19 games anymore I think he should you know I don't care if he goes and signs with someone else at the end of the year you need him now as sort of an offense because what PSG don't have is sort of a midfield option that's offensive like a mm. like if they if they trot out um Paredes gay and Verratti as they're starting midfield in a league gun game in a big league gun game what do you do to go offensive in that situation what do you do who do you take in who do you put out because right now their replacements are like Herrera who's not really an offensive player Danilo is definitely not an offensive player um, Draxler really isn't a midfielder classically. So I feel that's like a square peg in a round hole. Somebody like Simmons, you can bring in and he could repl- he can kind of give you a little more offense than let's say a them can. So let's say you wanted to go offensive in your midfield in a, in a, in a big game, you know, then what you really could do is have Paredes and Gay come off. And then you have Varadi, Wijnaldum, and Simmons, and that to me is a much more attacking midfield that can link up, that can that can press forward, and that's a better option late in a game when you're trying to you know when you're trying to find a goal, and the other team is sort of sitting in, and you can't really get any sort of traction on your counter. To have someone like Simmons who can you know, and you saw what he's good at. He's really good at getting the ball and getting the ball out of his, out from under his feet and moving the ball. Like he's good in the link up. He's good at, he's good at creating. And I think when you get a lot of those guys that can do that, you start, you know, you're not going to be Manchester city, but you can at least have possession and have something like dangerous possession as opposed to having to constantly rely on the counter and right now in these big matches psg is almost an exclusively counter team absolutely and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if you have the right structure in place to do it you've seen atletico madrid make two champions league finals with that kind of style you've seen Mourinho teams win champions leagues with that sort of style I mean, heck, that's basically what Tuchel was doing with PSG the last couple of years, anyway. You know, it was more of how's he doing at
1: at Chelsea? Yeah, it's
0: working working well for him because you have guys on that team that can really play that style well. It's like he found the perfect team for what he wants to do. You know, he he did it at PSG, but just not as well because the pieces didn't fit as well. But if you have somebody like Xabi Simmons in there, I just think yeah he's going to make mistakes yeah there's going to be games where he's just physically punished and i think you just have to be aware of that but the trade-off you get is that you just have a team that i think will work better i think they'll be able to space better i think as opposed to having you know six wingers on the field like they try to go offensive and they try to i know i'm rambling a bit but i'm trying to get this to a point here um where they basically play four wing players out there and Messi sort of would have to tuck inside. If you had a lineup, let's say you're in the end of a game and your lineup is Neymar Mbappe, Messi, Simmons, um, you know, gay variety. It's more like a four, two, th- it's that four, two, three, one that they're trying to play. But because Simmons can tuck in as a midfielder, And because Simmons is more versatile in the link up in that middle of the field, it allows Messi to come in and cut in on his inside foot. It allows Neymar to stay outside. You don't have to clog the middle with all these wingers that have to come inside to make plays. So I do think it's overall worth a chance to see Simmons in these league on games and to be able to help you unlock against these low blocks that a lot of these league gun teams are going to play so i think today was a good example of where he can be a benefit obviously i think there will be games where he just gets physically overmatched and be sort of taken out of some games but to me that's what the substitutions are for so if you know if you have a living breathing manager that sort of, and I'm not saying that as a shot necessarily. I'm just saying it as a, it's just a fact. If you have someone that understands the matchups, you can deploy Simmons in games where you can take advantage of them.
1: Yeah, and if if Leonardo's not going to make any signings, which I think he publicly came out and said there's nothing really in the works. Which you never know, but if yeah. we're not going to make any signings, it'd be great to have Simmons in there as an option. Should you lose a variety to an injury or suspension or somebody else. I mean, we know how these things go and I think the more minutes he can get, the better it'll be for PSG. Should we need to break glass in case of an emergency and we need a midfielder who can get the ball to our talented attackers, which I think Javi can do. So, um, yeah, so I think we've covered enough of that match. PSG move on in, in the Coupe de France. Shout out to uh, Michu, who also got some minutes, and Yabu as well uh, coming in for Kempembe. So more of PSG's youngsters seeing some minutes. And I think it's good that PSG advanced because it is a trophy competition, but also hopefully these uh, kids can get some more minutes. So let's move on. Mark, everyone's been waiting for your hot take on what happened. Let's start there. What happened with the Champions League draw, the chaos that ensued when they figured out that their attempt to rig it was made public, <laughs> so they had to redo everything and and redo the draw. So, what is your thought on that? The, the, and then, the, if you the, want to get in, the, go look, ahead.
0: Okay, it, look. The, the, the we say jokingly that it's rigged because it's fun to say and it does upset some people, and it's fun to do that sometimes. But um, look, the rules they have for the round of sixteen draw are so super complicated that I'm actually surprised they haven't made this mistake before, where they just don't draw the right team. And if they make one little mistake, it it throws everything off. And that's clearly what happened here. I mean, I think obviously everyone knows what basically happened. Man United was drawn to PSG in the first initial drawing. And because I believe it was Villarreal or somebody couldn't draw United or Atletico Madrid could, or there was some weird thing that happened. I would say the best way to just do this is to not have a round of 32 draw, a round of 16 draw, or a round of eight draw. I think what's best is just once you get to the round of 32, you go to brackets like they do with the World Cup. I don't understand why that's a problem. The the World Cup does it, and it's simple, and it's easy. Yeah, you might have one side of the bracket that, may end up being easier than the other side of the bracket but i I don't necessarily think that that's a huge problem like that that can happen anyway so it would eliminate the even the sort of appearance of impropriety because sometimes it's not the actual impropriety sometimes there isn't corruption in something but you know like there's so much corruption in football in general that when you have something like this happen, you just your mind sort of goes to oh, yeah, of course that's what's happening. The whole the rest of the other thing is corrupt, so why wouldn't this thing be corrupt? So, like, I think to eliminate even the thought of impropriety, I think they should just go to brackets and, and get it over with. Because the draw is a bunch of nonsense anyway; it's a it's a whole drawn out thing. It's a way to it's a way to get people to watch UEFA TV or something, and I don't know. They don't really seem to sell ads for it, so I'm not quite sure why it's there. I don't understand sort of if it serves a general great purpose to have all this multiple draws that they have. I don't think it does. I, I don't mind the predictability. I think the bracket makes it more. Um, I think it makes it more like the World Cup, and I think that's fine. I don't think there's an issue with that.
1: Everyone, that's loves how the World I would Cup. solve it.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't see what the problem with that. I don't we don't need around a 16 draw. You can do it without that. And I will say, I think the PSG United match would have been fascinating, obviously, because, you know, Ronaldo and Messi one more time, you know, before, you know, maybe for the last time, I don't think you're going to get it in this context this year, but you might if if they both advance. But I think obviously the, the, um, (laughs) The sponsors and the tv uh rights people were salivating over that possibility because i think that would have probably been the highest rated champions league game maybe ever or the highest two just because those two players and what this would mean after you know they haven't played each other since 2018. so you know it'd be the first time in nearly four years the two ever played so that would be you know that'd be a big deal but the fate Fate had another idea, and now we get the Mbappe Bowl, I guess we'll call it, the Mbappe Bowl, because, you know, the. it's very clear now that Killian Mbappe plans to drag this out as late as humanly possible, and it feels like we're going to get a LeBron James-type decision special on RTL or or some channel or something. It feels like that's what's going to happen here. You're, I
1: think you're right. I think you're right, and I hate, I hate that I think you're right. <laughs>
0: No, I don't think he's going to make it. this I think he's going to drag this out as long as possible, and I, I don't think you're going to have a decision by that point because that would be super awkward. It's like, you know, was he, announced in January? Hey, I'm going to Real Madrid, and now I have to go play them twice, and now there's a question of if I'm really trying or not, and if I really care about this. It's like, so, it, it, you know, you're not going to get a decision at least until April. So you can kind of put that off – on the shelf for now so that's at least i think the first sort of storyline of this clearly is the mbappe part um and sort of can killian mbappe now his second shot at beating real madrid could he last time he tried he was 18 and he was clearly not the centerpiece of what psg were trying to do but you know neymar gets hurt in between the two ties and it really didn't give psg much of a chance going into the second leg I'm not sure they had much of a chance to begin with, but you know, you go back to that tie, that Real Madrid PSG tie. PSG were tied at one with about 75 minutes to go or so, and that was the last great Real Madrid team. That was the la- that was the team that won the Champions League for the third straight year, and that Real Madrid team took it to another gear, and they got the goal from Ronaldo, and then they got the goal from uh, Marcelo, I think. To make it three to one so that happened in the span of about 10 minutes but up until that point psg had played fairly well and i think after that you saw okay the second leg they just didn't have it they couldn't real madrid sat in the boa constrictor and just took away whatever psg were trying to do and you know ronaldo scores again and that ties over i think these two teams are at very different places than they were four years ago i think it's been pointed out to me that Real Madrid are playing really well, but I still like the... Not
1: today. Not today. They uh, drew uh, 0-0 against the 19th place side in uh, La Liga. Yeah, so yeah but ha- great will ha- Yeah, yeah. Oh, It's okay I, I, for I, them I, to do it, but when PSG yeah. does it, it's... Every, yeah. You know.
0: Well, there's always going to be the hypocrisy, <laughs> but, that's, but that's beside the point. But I like this matchup because I think that, Real Madrid again they have some exciting younger players not as many as you know maybe you'd want them to have if you're Real Madrid at this point you know Vinicius is hot and cold um they you know Vasquez and guys like that the center back they got from um Bayern Munich Al David Alaba yeah Alaba but it's still the the core of the team is Karim Benzema in his thirties, um, Tony Kroos in his thirties, Luka Modric in his thirties, that's still the the general core of the team. So I don't think it's a fast team. I don't think it's a big physical tough team that's going to give PSG problems. Benzema is a world-class striker, but he's also not a Romelu Lukaku type or a Uh, Yeah, it's not really a Romelu Lukaku type that would give PSG some, you know, some headaches up front trying to defend. So I think it's fairly even, and I think it's one of the better draws PSG could have gotten at this stage with the choices that they had. Like, I would rather play this team than play an Ajax team that just, I think, tactically has their game together, and PSG are going to have to chase them all over the field. I don't think that would have been very good. But this allows PSG to not have to necessarily chase Real Madrid all over the field. They can set in if they have to. They're going to have the advantage. Um, they're going to have the advantage countering. I think yes, Real Madrid have a good counter, but I'm sorry, as many times as they haven't shown up for some of this stuff, I think you know Messi and Mbappe and Neymar. Depending if Neymar's back, he should be. You know, just Messi and Mbappe alone. I think are really tough to counter. I think Real Madrid do not have, I think, an elite level defensive back line that is going to just completely shut PSG down. I think PSG are going to get two or three goals in this tie, just sort of by the sheer, just sort of by their sheer skill level. So Real Madrid are going to have to get goals against them. Um, Obviously, the goaltending in this situation, Courtois. Top 10 Donnarumma, I would say PSG have an edge in the goaltending because I think it's got to be Donnarumma against Real Madrid. I don't see, I don't see, I mean, you, you, could you play Novice? Yeah. Would Novice be motivated? Obviously, in that situation, he would be. But, and that's also the interesting thing, too, because we could take this in 30 different ways, and I'm sure we will. But I think to just kind of put a bow on it, I think PSG, it's going to be a fairly even tie. I think PSG have some advantages they can take. They can clearly exploit against an older, slightly slower Real Madrid team. And then you have all the guys coming back, like Ramos, obviously, Keylor Navas, obviously, and possibly Zinedine Zidane. Who the hell knows at this point? But it could be a really interesting... Kind of reunion type of tie with a lot of motivation on the PSG side to sort of prove some points. So I think I think this could be a really fun round of sixteen, and I actually think PSG are in a better position than let's say if they were playing Bayern or Liverpool or Ajax. So, look will get your thoughts on it. What do you What do you think? First blush,
1: <laughs> yeah, we we did a podcast for PSG talking the day of the draw. And I was really optimistic. A lot of people were kind of down on PSG. I know Ty was and some of the other people on the show. And I, I was one of the few that who were optimistic about this. You know, think back, what was it, 2019 in the group stage? PSG finished ahead of Real Madrid, uh, beat them, was it 3-0 at the park. And uh, the return, like, I think it was a draw, Sarabia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Mbappe scored in that one. So, I mean, this is a team. PSG have beaten them before. Um and if you look in recent history, PSG beaten some really good teams. Bayern Munich last year, Barcelona. Um, so I'm I'm not terribly concerned. Can PSG lose this? Of course they can. Of course they can. But is this going to be a case where PSG are going to go in this game scared? Absolutely not. They know they belong. They have Messi, Ramos, they're not going Neymar, Mbappe. They're not going into this game scared of the badge, scared of the burnabout. They're, they're not scared at all. They may lose, and that that's fine. I mean, they, as long as they play, and it doesn't look like a, an utter shit show, I will be happy. But any team can lose at any point. But I think in heading into this game, I would put PSG as the favorites to win this game. Um, I think Real, Real Madrid. You're gonna see them. A slight, a slight uh, favorite, slight but I pick. think Real Madrid are going to come back to earth a little bit. They had a really nice stretch of games there, but we saw today with the nil-nil. I think that they're going to start to come back, and you never know with injuries and all of that. So we've got plenty of time. I think the first game is on February 15th. But what I I agree with you with the bracket situation and, and how the UEFA should handle this. I just, no one has really been able to explain to me why it is that Chelsea also finished second in their group, but they don't have to play Liverpool or Manchester United or um, Manchester City. For the simple fact that they're in the same country, well, what sense does that make at all? Because of some arbitrary uh, coefficient that no one actually gives a crap about and is completely made up and probably rigged as well. I don't understand why Chelsea finished second, but they can face easier quote-unquote easier teams than psg all because those other teams are in the same country as chelsea that makes no sense to me put all the teams you know two pots put them in brackets you know however you want to do it the
0: reason the reason obviously they do that is because they want to keep the top teams in the tournament as long as they possibly can psg is a top team yeah but if you have if you have three teams from england and two teams from spain and three teams from Italy, you want to try to keep those teams in it as long as you can so that they end up playing each other later in the tournament. That's sort of the money end of it. So you don't want Real Madrid and Barcelona to play in the round of 16. You want them to play in the semifinal or the final. You don't want um, – so you want you, you want to try to keep those teams from facing each other as long as you can. It, it doesn't make any sense, but from from a competitive standpoint, because it just doesn't, I understand not having them play the team in their. Um, I understand them not playing the team in their own bracket or their own group. I get that. That makes a little bit of sense because you don't want to just have rematches after rematches after you just played those games, you know, two months ago. But yeah, I don't the 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 not having them play the same country thing that that's a bit arbitrary. That's just that's sort of an that's sort of an aesthetic choice rather than any kind of competitive thing.
1: But, and, and you look at the the round of sixteen, PSG, Real Madrid, two big teams. That's marquee. You want to see that. Yeah. I, I, inter. Liverpool. Really the,
0: it's really. I don't think that's interesting. I think really PSG and Real Madrid's the only interesting draw here. There's from no a, games here. A, yeah. From a, from a marketing standpoint, I mean, there's some, there's some tactical matchups that you'd find interesting, but um, yeah, I think looking at the way it ended up, I think Real Madrid are pretty unhappy that they have to go play PSG in the, in the round of 16 I really do especially when they want to get as much money out of the out of this as they can because Real Madrid are not an awesome financial situation either so
1: that's a really I, good point if PSG knocked them out how much money is that going to cost them as they're looking to get Erling Haaland and Mbappe yeah you know maybe they won't be out but like Benfica Ajax maybe football purists are really into Ajax and we'll tune into that yeah. but no one's watching that really Salzburg versus Bayern no one's tuning in Sporting versus City I mean it's like a snooze fest why not draw all the teams and sure why not have City Liverpool in the round of 16 who who cares that's a big game if you save that for later maybe Kevin De Bruyne can't play you know or maybe Mo Salah gets injured or something like that and isn't it you never know who's gonna be available get the best matchups while you can whether it's the round of 16
0: look but could you imagine again again this is this is where European sport, and this is I, and I understand this because this is where European sports are different. When us two come at this from an American perspective, I mean it's just the way it is. Like we're American, so we grew up watching American sports, and USA. We grew up watching American sports, so we there's no such thing as a draw in America, like a like a team. They don't they don't do the playoffs in the NBA and then do a draw. So that random teams play each other, it doesn't work that way. Co- never co- college
1: college basketball maybe is, is closer. But, that's a,
0: but, but even then, you're drawing them into a bracket based off of wh- how what their record is and what their standings are, and it has some. It makes some sort of logical sense. The draw has never made logical sense to me. It just feels like random, arbitrary. It just—it's like a way they did it, so they just kept doing it that way, <laughs> as opposed to you know what again, what way is better—the European way of doing sports or the American way of doing sports? I—I I, I don't know. I grew up with one way and sort of integrated into this other way, and I, I just look at it and go, the draw seems to be more headache than it's worth. It seems to lack the sort of transparency that you would want. In a major sport and if you can just draw the teams into brackets at the beginning and not have the sort of rigmarole of you know drawing ping pong balls out of a out of a cup to you know decide multi-billion dollar sporting events like to me that would be better i just look at it like it's just it's like a gimmick it's like the closest thing we have in American sports is like the draft lotteries in the NBA and the NHL or it's like but even that at least has some internal logic of if you lose more games you have a better chance and this just seems again it just seems arbitrary it seems a totally arbitrary way to do it and a way that they used to do it is a gimmick that they can just sort of easily drop and I don't think anyone would have any objection to it
1: Maybe I have to whisper this, but like Super League, um, yeah. you would you would avoid Salzburg versus Bayern. You wouldn't have some of these garbage matchups. Maybe Super League if, from a, if you're talking about this is all about TV and money. Yeah, get these teams out of here that don't belong.
0: Well, I, I I think the I think the the Marvel equivalent of this would be Thanos was right. In the other words, Florentino was right. You know, maybe we do need to get rid of half the half these crap teams and just play Super League ball. But again, uh, not to relitigate it, because it happened almost a year ago now, but possibly one of the dumbest attempts at creating something like that maybe ever. It was just – it was maybe the dumbest – one of the dumbest things I've ever seen a group of teams try to do, and it just yeah. flopped on its ass. And that's why you're not going to see it for a long time, because it just – failed so spectacularly and it wasn't not a terrible idea in if they could have communicated it and actually had a plan and basically the whole thing was a website they basically had a website and a twitter account and that's about as far as they thought through the thing and they had you know they had somebody that would back it for a year but like ugh yeah, but uh, that was weird. But um, well,
1: that's what happens. Real Madrid is, is trying to run the show, but you know, maybe we will see that in the future. But you know, hey,
0: but here's the thing. Remember all that stuff about how they were going to excommunicate all the the trader clubs and how you know UEFA was going to excommunicate Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and you know how they were never going to play Champions League football again. And that that lasted all of about
1: a month. There's literally <laughs> no punishment whatsoever. Maybe haven't <laughs> having to play PSG in the round of sixteen, maybe that's their punishment.
0: Yeah, but there, but I mean, come on now. Like there was no punishment for that at all. The punishment was the humiliation. That was the the, the punishment was just the utter failure of it all. And I think UEFA understands that. Sometimes that is the ultimate punishment. Is just being humiliated to such a degree that you just never try that again.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see if that ever comes okay, back. But,
0: I mean, But here's the thing, and this would be the argument against the Super League, though. Look at some of the teams that signed up for the thing. Arsenal are. Are they even in the Europa League? I guess they're in the Europa no. League. No,
1: no. They're not in Europa. They're in nothing.
0: they Are they not even in the Conference League? I don't think so. Okay, so they're in the Conference They're not even in anything. Tottenham's in the Conference League. Barcelona just dropped down to the Europa League. Um, AC Milan, I don't think, is. AC Milan is in, they dropped out into, I don't even think they're in the Europa League at this point. I think they may have finished fourth. I don't even know. But yeah, you you can see where this whole thing was flawed from the beginning because a team like Ajax, a team like Sporting, you know, they should be able to compete for, you know, European silverware. It's obvious because like Ajax is a better team than Arsenal. They're a better team than Tottenham. They're a better team than possibly Manchester United. They're a better team than a lot of the teams that would have been in the Super League. So I get that all, but I think we've kind of gone off track a little bit, but I think it's too early to make predictions. Obviously I think we can want to see how the next month and a half plays out at least the month of January, see where PSG are. I would say it leads to this point because right now it's the 19th of December. The last game is going to be Wednesday. Now, Last year Thomas Tuchel made it through the last game and got fired I believe on the 24th or the 22nd or something yeah. like he he got fired at a point where I actually you know after calling for him to be fired for a while be uh, you know they see he seemed to have settled the ship enough where I thought hey the guy made it to the final last year they would you know keep him around nope they they let him go Leonardo, uh, before the game, did the old, hey, we haven't talked to Zidane or any other manager, which I don't know whether I believe that or not. Uh, I don't know if it matters whether I believe it or not. I think it's just what they're supposed to say, regardless either way. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that if the dreams of of the PSG Twitter fan base are to come true, you pretty much assume they would have to fire him on the 23rd because once you get to christmas christmas eve christmas day once you get past that point you'd be pretty safe to say that he's going to stay around till the end of the year because you're not going to fire him in february or march or april because why the heck would you at that point when you just wait two months and fire him after so you know, if they're going to let him go, I'm I'm not sure if this is a topic of conversation or me just sort of stating something factual, but they're going to have to make that decision the day after the Lorient match. So, if we're playing the percentage game, so from zero to hundred, what are the percentages that? What is the percentage chance that Mauricio Pochettino is still the PSG manager on Christmas Day? Let's say that.
1: Yeah, on Christmas day. give me
0: what's your what's your percentage? Percentage that he stays, not percentage that he goes.
1: I think right now it's probably I'm going to go 80, 85% that he stays. I think he's weathered the storm. Now PSG know who they play in the round of 16, it's a winnable tie. Um the team has looked a little bit better. He's got more of the youngsters in. I think the only, and I'm putting it that high, I think the only way he goes, if Zidane says, I want in, let's go, it's really got to be a push from Zidane, and they have to get confirmation from him. I don't see that happening, so that's why I'm going 80%,
0: 85%. Yeah, I think it's been pretty quiet over the last two weeks. I think there was a point in time where you thought, okay, maybe he was teetering, but this could always just be the thing where they're just not trying to leak anything, which is which is possible. So I would put the percentages slightly less than than you're having it. If you said 80%, I would probably go somewhere around 65. Because I think that there's always a chance that on, you know, that they just pull the trigger on it. I I, I believe and I have no evidence of this. I don't have inside sources, never really have. I believe that they have talked to Zinedine Zidane. I, I can't imagine that they haven't, I because that. why? That why the heck wouldn't you? There's no reason not to. Whether it be directly, and they said they've never talked to Zidane. Again, the wording sometimes matters in these things. They said they've never talked to Zidane or any other coach. So, in theory, you can go and say, "Oh, we've never talked to Zinedine Zidane directly," but you know. Maybe they've talked to Zinedine Zidane's agent or Zinedine Zidane's representatives or Zinedine Zidane's friends or his or his uh, or his kid or whatever. I don't know. But my point being. There's ways to talk to a manager without directly talking to a manager, which gives Leonardo the ability to say we've never talked to Zidane, but yeah, but you've talked to all of his representatives multiple times. So, and, and that's not me being a conspiracy theorist. That's just kind of the way these things tend to work. Like, you talk to the representatives, yeah. and then you talk to the, the person. And I do think there's a way of business that PSG likes to, to do. I think they've gotten more professional over the last few years. And I think they would fire Pachettino and then sort of, you know, they have the, the sort of the general structure of everything in place so that you can talk to Zidane and finish the thing. So that's why I'm saying I don't think it's of complete that he stays, because I, I, the other angle to this, to th-
1: yeah. No, I was just gonna say the other angle to this is that Zidane just kind of like up and left Real Madrid. I think that there's some bad blood there. Does he want to come back and knock his old team out? That could be incentive for him.
0: I, I don't know if he. I I don't. You see, and part of the reason why I like Zidane is I don't think that's something that fits into his thinking. I don't want coaches going out for revenge. Like the coach can't play. I do. So I, I don't, I don't know what he could do to get revenge, except for you know, drop a good game plan. You can't actually go out there and score the goals, but
1: he probably I, I could. Think,
0: I, I don't think that. I think he's too smart to have that to have that fit into his, um, into his calculus. But let's put it this way: I think there's going to be. I think PSG fans should have their attention on December twenty third. I think they should look out for if it's going to happen, it's going to happen on the 23rd. If it doesn't happen on the 23rd, chances are he's definitely going to stay the rest of the year. So, you know, circle that date, you know, if you, you be on watch that day and if it doesn't happen that day, it's probably not it's probably not going to happen. Um Now the question is, yeah, I mean, I think we've beat this topic to death over the last couple of months. Um, I think I've been at a point where I've said, you know, you know. I think I've gotten to a point where I'm like, okay. There, are, there was that game against Lance where he, where they were just awful, and I was just like, all right, enough of this. They're just not, they're just not playing well enough. And I don't think they're playing infinitely better than that game, but I'm almost like, it's almost like. Do you do you push for something that's not going to happen? And I, I don't feel particularly strong about pushing, you know, for someone's firing at this point when I don't know if it makes that much of a difference in the long run. It might, but yeah. it just like, Pochettino is not a bum. He's not a bum manager. He's not a bad manager. Like he he's won games pretty much everywhere he's been he's developed good players pretty much everywhere he's been is this a job that may be a step over his abilities possibly if you had to if you had to you know put a gun to my head i'd say yeah i think this job is about a step ahead of where he need where he is as a manager like i think tottenham may have been the place where he sort of reached his sort of place as a manager and that going to a club like PSG is just too much. And, and you saw it with Unai Emery. Same kind of thing. I, I feel like there's similar managers in, in that kind of way, where Emery was a great manager at, um, you, you know, he was a great manager where he was, which was, I believe, Sevilla. Sort of crossing over my head there. Um, but when he got to PSG, it was just a step over his over his level. And I think that's where we are with Pochettino. But if PSG are committed to, you know, staying with him for the long run, then I I don't long run being the next 6 months, then I'm not sure what to say at that point. I guess give them all our best. No, I'm serious. That's, that's what you do at this point. Give them give them all our best.
1: That's it. It's um it's going to be interesting. Who would have thought Messi would be at the club uh, right now, along with all the other players we signed? So maybe Zidane does come. Maybe Posh does get sacked. Who knows what this club will do. Um, they always something up their sleeve. They, it's always yeah. entertaining. So we'll have to – that's good. You've set the deadline if, if, if Posh isn't sacked by a certain deadline. So we will all keep an eye on that. Mark, we're coming up on time. I've got a couple questions uh, for you from listeners. Um, let's see – this one comes from at that dude Phil 96. Will PSG regret their top youth players youth player prospects <laughs> leaving? Uh, Simons is probably the one probably closest to leaving. I think he's made that ultimatum more first team playing time or else. We got some other players, Mishu and, and Garby might be leaving. So do you think PSG will regret losing these players like they may be Kingsley Coman on some of the others?
0: regret, and this is, and I'm not even trying to be obtuse, but regret in what way? Like,
1: like they come back and score uh, in like the Champions League final.
0: <laughs> yeah, like that's ever happened, but <laughs> no, but okay. But was Kingsley Coman around long enough? Like, it, I think this is a, a super complicated issue and I think there's, there's blame on both sides of this issue. I think PSG's youth academy has sort of created this culture of entitlement around some of these guys where they expect to play in unrealistic situations. Like you're not starting over Neymar, you're not starting over Mbappe, you're not starting over Marco Verratti, you're not starting over Marquinhos, you're not starting over, um, you know, Lionel, now Lionel Messi and Sergio Ramos and Akraf Hakimi. You're not starting over those guys. so what is your expectation are you expecting to play in league un games i don't know do they are they expecting to get is would 10 minutes you know would 10 minutes of game time be enough a game i i'm not sure exactly what you know i'm not exactly sure it's ever been made clear what level of game time would be necessary to keep these players you know adrian rabio played a lot of games for PSG and eventually he just ran out his contract because he wanted to go somewhere else. Uh, Tangi Kowasi was given quality minutes thinking. and he just up and left for Bayern Munich and he hasn't gotten a whole bunch of minutes since then. But, you know, someone like Christopher Nkunku, he played at PSG for a good three, four years and got quality time and just wanted to go get bigger game time because he wasn't going to start over those other guys. And like that, to me, is the quandary that PSG find themselves in. You have this great youth academy where you can draw. And I I would say they have a great youth academy because they can draw from a really rich pool of talent in the Paris area and and in France in general. And they do have a good way of sort of building these players up. It's a good academy. It's one of the better ones in Europe. But the problem is... When you're in a win now kind of club, when you have superstars, it's hard to justify not playing Leonel Messi so that Ishmael Garbi can get game minutes. Now, the argument that I will hear from people, and it's a reasonable one, is yeah, they're not they shouldn't start over those guys, but why the heck are, you know, Danilo and Ander Herrera and you know, Idrissa Gay and Marwa Cardi and all these sort of secondary players. Why are they, you know, playing over these young players, especially when they could pay the youth players a lot less money up front to play those sort of secondary roles than these sort of older, slower kind of guys. But then you go to the whole Leonardo's philosophy of how he does sporting directing, which is, If you're in a win now mode, you want guys who are older and have experience as opposed to having younger players who are more prone to making mistakes. So when you get a guy like Danilo and you're playing Danilo, it's not because Danilo is necessarily better than a Javi Simmons or, or somebody of that ilk, but because you know that Danilo is prone to making less mistakes in theory, or Ander Herrera more specifically, is less likely to make mistakes in big matches. That's the philosophy of it is that you surround your star players with veterans who can contribute and who know their role and who aren't sort of inching for playing time and will accept the role at the point in the career that they're in. Like this is not anathema to everything about sports. Like this is how teams work all the time. This is how win now teams in the NFL and the NBA and and, and NHL. That's how they work. You don't have a team full of 19, 20 year olds. You have a team with superstars and then veteran backups who can fill roles when they have to. Now, you know, there's a lot to say for, you know, somebody like Ajavi Simmons, who I think should be getting a heck of a lot more playing time than he has gotten. I think there's exceptions to the rule. But somebody like um, Bitsiabu, who's still sixteen, or Edouard Michoud, who's still seventeen, like, are you putting Edouard Michoud in a Champions League match? Are you putting him against OL? Are you putting him against Marseille? Are you are you putting these kids into these games like that that to me is really the 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 question. And this is where you just have to go and say, PSG have a philosophy about all of this. And we see whether it works in the long run or not. And I, I to answer the question as I've sort of gone on here. The real answer here is I don't know. We'll see. If the philosophy PSG has chosen to go down, sacrificing their youth players for this sort of win now super team mentality, whether that's worth it, it may not be. We'll see. Honestly, that's the best I can come up
1: with. Is we'll see. I always thought that PSG should have um, maybe they buy an MLS team like Manchester City, the recent yeah. NYS, you know. NYC FC, they won the MLS championship, have a team over here or maybe a lower tier English team or a French team and send some of these kids there so they can get first team minutes with maybe a lower tier. And if they perform really well, then you bring them up that way instead of just in the under-19 academy kind of route. It doesn't well, seem to be also, working.
0: Remember, remember a couple of years ago, PSG got rid of their reserve team. Yeah, yeah, like this was a move they made—a conscious move under Antero Henrique to get rid of their their under their 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 reserve team, which where a lot of these guys could get sort of minutes in what I guess we would call, you know, association football, whether it be the fourth tier or the fifth tier or whatever tier the reserve team was in. So PSG got rid of that. It essentially stuck with a, a purely under-19 model, which is not something that a lot of teams have really necessarily done, but, you know, I think it was a cost-cutting measure, and I think that they weren't getting as much out of it as they thought they could have. But, you know, it's got to be both ways. Like, we get caught in this sort of this pissing contest where it's like, you know, and Leonardo goes, we're not going to play you if you're not going to sign long-term. Like, we're not going to give you what you want and then for you to just bolt and leave. And then you have the player and the agent going, well, if you don't play him, he's going to leave. And then Leonardo's like, well, if he doesn't sign, we're not going to play him. You know, at the end of the day, everyone just walks away from each other. So this has to be solved one way or the other. Either you just de-emphasize the... the, It's like either you just de-emphasize it completely and you just go with a straight up, we're Real Madrid and we don't really care about our reserves kind of deal or, you know, or a Juventus, like when was the last time Juventus like churned out a top level, um, a top level prospect? They don't do it. Cause it's not the model. What you do see PSG doing are bringing in players like Huckcraft Hakimi, who's 21, Nuno Mendes, who's 19. Um, So they're bringing in youth level players, Killing Mbappe, they brought in at 17. Like they're bringing in youth players just from other teams because, and it's it, it's more expensive. But I do think you you might be getting a, a more quality level player. Like not for nothing, Nuno Mendes has possibly been one of PSG's best players in the Champions League this year. I think he's Absolutely. just been really exceptional. Like he's an exceptional one-on-one defender, and he's just. A big physical body. He can attack. He's he's you know he's good. He can get his own shot. And it's like I think if you you know who's been better in the Champions League so far, Mendes or, or Hakimi. I think right now you have to say it's been Nuno Mendes. And, so, and I think
1: uh, to to your point about signing other players. I mean PSG are in a league that's arguably creates the the best talents. I would just use Monaco, chuomini right, Yeah Sophie and Job. I mean, there's several players. Uh, Diaz is another player I really like there at at Monaco just use them as your your youth team and just sign those players
0: well that's and that's a whole nother discussion about how PSG are not really positioned well to get players from inside their own league but we'll leave it at that I think we had another question come in before we uh we head off
1: um i think the other one was just should um xavi get a chance with the first team which i think we've covered quite a bit i don't think we'll see him in the champions league but i think definitely as psg march on in the coupe de france and i think absolutely mid to lower tier league on teams get them in there get them some minutes absolutely yeah all right yeah mark well if there's nothing else we are just past the hour mark let the fine folks out there listening know how they can find you on twitter
0: well, they can find me at Mark Damon Nine. Um, one more game to go. Well, if obviously if there's news that breaks uh, Thursday morning, <laughs> um, we'll probably be all over that. We'll probably have to scramble and do another show. So I will say this is the year end show unless we have some Thursday news. We're I think we're both prepared for if news breaks that we can you know we could pretty much turn a show out pretty quickly on that in that regard, but. Um, just, I guess for my mental health, I kind of hope that we just sort of sc- scoot through nice, easy two weeks off. And then PSG gets back at it in January and the build to the champions league begins.
1: Yeah. And as always, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at PSG talk looking forward to the January fixtures. We've got Leon. That should be interesting. And, um, and then, yeah, as you said, marching up to the real Madrid, we've got Lille and Stade Renee leading up to that match against real Madrid, which yeah. everyone is looking forward to it should be fun. No away goal rule. So best team. Oh, that's really, that,
0: yeah, that's really an interesting <laughs> one. I know I'm going to try to add more, but that's a real interesting one because that changes the and dy- We'll get into this for just a couple minutes. Cause I know we're all, we're, we're getting a little over an hour, but I do yeah, actually think it's it. important. It's important to bring it up because it is, it is an important difference. So in years past, I think PSG have either taken advantage of that rule or been taken advantage of by that rule. 2019, they won the, um, they lost to Manchester United on away goals and then 2020, um, what was the Dortmund tie? Did they win the Dortmund tie straight? I think they might have won the Dortmund tie straight out. It might have been three two. Yeah,
1: straight up. They were uh, behind. They came back and yeah, they, they yeah. won without the
0: but, but yeah, but um, th- then against Bayern in twenty one, they won on the away goal rule. So what the, what the away goal rule allowed you to do was to basically play one good tie out of the two in advance. So. If you won like PSG did 2-1 in Bayern then played a really kind of crappy, you know, second leg but only lost one nothing, you qualified anyway on the away goal rule. Now, you have to play two good legs in a row, really, to to advance because then you get into the tie situation and then you get into the penalty shootout which wasn't something you saw a lot in champions league play because of the away goal rule one of the things the away goal rule did was it took away a lot of the penalty shootout and extra time uh aspect of it so because you'll see more ties in regulation because the away rule is gone the away goal away goal rule is gone it's gonna be and also what it what in this is also important i know i'm rambling here but in the 70th minute if you need to make a tactical change you think twice about it cuz you want to keep penalty takers on the field
1: uh-huh, in a game yeah. like
0: that so somebody like you're not taking mbappe off the field you're not taking you may bring amara lucardi on in late stages of the match because you need someone in there that could possibly take the penalties. So what you'll see is a lot of extra time games, but you rarely see it decided in extra time because A, the teams are usually tired and B, no one really wants to make that mistake and you'd rather take your shot at the penalties. So having more penalty shootouts, it does make it interesting and it puts a situation where, let's say Navas starts the game and you go into the extra time, do you hold back a sub so that you can bring Donnarumma in to stop penalties? Because we've seen that happen before, where, where a keeper's brought in to stop penalties. And I think it's clear Donnarumma's the better, I mean, Navas is a good penalty stopper, but I think Donnarumma's just, he's bigger, he's longer, he can get to more balls. It's It's more a physics thing than anything else. So I'm just, it, it's going to change the dynamics of how these ties are managed. And that I think will be fun and an interesting thing to sort of look out for.
1: Yeah. And speaking of penalties, hopefully Neymar who is on the shelf right now, but I think I saw that his boot is coming off soon and and hopefully yeah. he'll be uh, back in time. We know how good he is at taking penalties. So very good point. Thanks for squeezing that in um, everyone listening. Thank you so much. Um, really appreciate your support. Happy holidays to everyone. Um, enjoy time with your family thank you again as always for listening and we will be back with more shows uh, maybe we can get more, one more in before the end of the year but if not we'll see you in the new year so take care for now and we'll uh, talk to you later bye everyone
0: au revoir for now